it really was just like this organic thing. And initially we were just like filmmakers just trying to build and connect and like link up with people. We didn't go into this with, again with any intention. But when we saw that there was so much of a demand, we were like, all right, let's, you know, establish something. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the She's So Real podcast. I'm your hostess, AJ Joyce, where we dive in each week to chat with multifaceted women in the film and entertainment industry who believe in diversity and inclusion through their work and the media. I'm a digital creator and a black girl nerd with a background in fun movie reviews, film enthusiasm, and girl power advocacy who's obsessed with creating a space for talented, badass women. Grab your drink and your popcorn because these ladies are the real deal. Hey, y'all. Get ready for all the giggles and the fun today. We have a new guest by the name of Landa Yusuf. She's a writer, director, and producer with over 12 years of production development and casting experience. She has also worked with several networks, including MTV, NBC, WeTV, TV. Bravo, and others. She has a finny for telling stories that explore media influence, sociology, gender slash race relations, pop culture, and self-image themes. Her short film, Privileged Unhinged, screened at Martha's Vineyard African American Film Festival, Big Apple Film Festival, the DC Black Film Festival, and it's currently airing on Shorts TV. Londe also wrapped up her festival run for her second film, Second Generation Wedding, which screened at the Bronze Lens Film Festival and is now developing the film for feature-length adaptation under OneScribe Media. As co-founder and partnerships director of the Black Film Space, Londe works to contribute to increased control, ownership, and media management for content creators of African descent across all cinematic formats and content platforms. Today, we get a closer look at Londe's journey in the film world and look at an inaugural membership launch for the Black Film Space. Get ready for all the laughs because we're about to have some fun here. Let's hear all about it, shall we? I am always down to support female-owned businesses, including those that make us feel uber confident. The Lip Bar, for example, is one of those amazing businesses. If you're looking for some easy-to-use makeup products that are vegan and cruelty-free, the Lip Bar is for you. The Lip Bar is all about making sure that you feel beautiful and everyone feels beautiful and celebrated. No matter your background, you too can be fabulous with the Lip Bar at your side. Use my code AJSoReal to get 10% off your next purchase today. It's your time to shine, girl, with the Lip Bar. Hi, Londe. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for being on the podcast. Let's see if we can have the same energy here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Londe. Well, now we're going to get started with some basics just to get to know you a little bit. So okay. I know you started in reality TV some time ago, and mm-hmm. that was in the casting and production development area before shifting into filmmaking. And yeah. I remember I was watching the Black Film Space intro video, and you were really big on advocating for diversity 
in front of as well as behind the camera. And I'm totally with you. You've journeyed in a whole different direction. How does it feel to be fully in creative control of your narrative now with all the things you have going on? That is such a great question. It feels liberating in a way that I didn't feel when I, before I started making films, I feel like, you know, because before that I was just like, is my voice ever going to be valued? Are people going to really even care what I have to say or what I want to express creatively? And finally just getting the cojones to put my own film together and galvanize this community of professionals was like a recipe for success in terms of giving me the confidence to make my own projects. Like, you know, it's my voice, it's my thoughts, it's everything that's been running through my imagination for X amount of time in tangible form. Like, you know, there's no better feeling. And then to see people react to that and respond to that is Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. everything. So I am very, very happy that I finally built up the courage to make my own projects because it was like several years in the making for sure. Wow. Wow. Like when I first heard that, I was like, wow, that's a shift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we all know what the reality TV and what it is today. And and I'm sure even years ago, man, there was no diversity whatsoever. So <laughs> oh, of course, you know, I mean, a lot of times I was the only one in the office or one of like a few, a handful, not even just black people, just people of color in general. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times when we were brainstorming, coming up with ideas or presenting things to network, I mean, it was primarily for white consumers. And, you know, that can get really tiring when you have this roster of talent that isn't white, but is just as compelling, if not more compelling, being overlooked because of some arbitrary quota that executives are anticipating is not going to be met, you know, through this talent. And I mean, time and time again, these theories are proven wrong with high ratings, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. non-white talent doing well and doing fine. So it's just, it's, it's tough to navigate that sometimes. It can be really frustrating. I bet. And yeah, I'm glad you were to say that because I was going to ask, like, on your journey to making your own creative film path, what other challenges did you face on the way, you know? Well, you know, I was juggling a full time job working 10 to, you know, six, seven, eight o'clock, then going home. (laughs) Right. And then going home, having to take the train for an hour, crazy New York commute, going home trying to make my project, staying up till one o'clock, waking up. You know, it was crazy. It's crazy. I was trying to sneak in sleep wherever I could. It was a lot. And then on top of that, Black film space. So, you know, juggling that was, it was insane. I just got to a point where I was like, all right, like, sit down. Like, you're going to have to either freelance (laughs) or just not do it. Like, you cannot work full time. I was on burnout. I could totally relate on that. There were some personal issues that I had going on in in my life with family and stuff. But at, at the end, when I also quit my job not too long ago, it was from burnout. Like it's you're trying to push out so much and do so many things and you realize your hands can't be in all in the pots. You know, it just can't. So I can and totally even now, you know, I'm still like, oh, my God, I'm doing, you know, it's like the same thing. I mean, it's not with the same level of intensity, but it's, it's still challenging to juggle everything that I'm doing. So, you know, so it's going to be a continuous thing that I probably will have to be mindful of. 
even taking that in retrogard too, and what's happening in today's world, and especially here in America, people don't understand the kind of mental stress that POC and especially African Americans go through. You know, this year has been a man like testing our mental health to the okay. extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I am happy it is December 2020. Oh, who are you telling? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, now we fast forward and we have tons of projects and films that you put out. And what I really want to highlight is that I see your film Second Generation Wedding is moving to a feature length film mode. So with Wi-Fi Media, which is exciting. Is there any new developments about that? Well, you know, COVID is really trying to ruin my life right now. But (laughs) (laughs) no, we're in pre-production, you know, at any moment. We're still casting, still working on the script, but I am definitely close to getting to, you know, once, once things open up again, it won't be much longer till we, you know, hopefully go into production. I just, I'm trying not to be too impatient because mm-hmm. I think that if COVID wasn't in the picture, we probably would be in production or getting ready to go like within weeks from today. But people are just scared with the pandemic in regards to shooting and the safety of crew members. And it's all like really credible reasons. And then on top of that, you know, because this film, I'm first generation Nigerian American and about maybe two thirds of this film is set in Nigeria. You know, there's an embargo. Yeah. I mean, only God knows why, but there's an embargo on travel to a lot of West African countries and Nigeria is on that list right now, unless you pay for like a $1,500 ticket. So, which I'm not doing. (laughs) (laughs) She said, I'm going to cut that out now. (laughs) Come on. This is an indie budget. But yeah, you know, I'm excited. I mean, I definitely was getting to a place where, because, you know, people are like, oh, you should apply to this program. You should do this. You should try to get this grant. And like, while those things are great and I'm, you know, certainly going to pursue those opportunities, I just don't want to frame my career around that. You know, I'd rather proceed and move forward with the resources I have and make something happen with that. And then if the grant and all that other stuff comes, that's icing on the cake. So I, you know, had to reposition my thinking, which is why I said, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go into pre-production for this. And I'll figure it out as I go along. A lot of filmmakers do that. So that's where we're at. I'm shooting for all the filmmakers right now. Like I'm pushing through for movie theaters. I'm pushing through for filmmakers, indie filmmakers, you know, black creatives, POC creatives, POC creatives, like (laughs) everybody. (laughs) For sure. For sure. It's a crazy time because on top of the fact that we're trying to kick down the door, now we're dealing with this pandemic and it's just like... I mean, part of my language, but it's just fucking everything up, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is fucking (laughs) everything up. I mean, no holdbacks there. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I'm just hoping that once things open up and hopefully that's sooner than later, I mean, you know, we should obviously be safe getting into production for this, particularly to in Nigeria. I'm really, really excited and looking forward to it. I'm excited too. And once it initiates and comes out, please let me know and I'll be happy to promote on my end for sure. Of course, of course. Now, I want to get to the origin story 
of a black film space, but I know it's set a little bit before with co-founder Reggie Williams, who's also your good friend. And I could tell by watching again the intro video that you guys have on your website that you guys are like boom cone, like just <laughs> <laughs> right with each other. And mm-hmm. I love how you guys acknowledge each other as business partners. And I'm curious, how has your relationship with Reggie changed as the black film space is expanding to what it is today? That's a great question because when we initially met, we had no intention of working together in this capacity. Like he hit me up, he friend requested me cold. And at that point, I didn't really know anyone in film. I was working on like an indie project and then I knew like their that those folks network that was kind of it and I was like you know I feel like everybody's in LA you know what should I do I was kind of like at a crossroads still working full-time so when he friend requested me not to a filmmaker I was like oh I just messaged him right away and I was like hey you're a filmmaker what's up and then he was like you know I'm just looking to network with people I said let's meet for coffee I don't know why I just you know and then also I looked at his pictures and I was like okay he seems like he's serious he's not just like mm-hmm. on the scene and you know you know he seems like he's really about this work so We met up maybe like two days later. Then I was like, all right, look, we both want to meet. He wanted to meet more Black people because he was working on crews and, you know, never encountered any. And then I wanted to find the film, not the reality TV, but the film contacts in the New York market. So I was like, let's just do brunch. You bring 10 people, I bring 10 people. And then we were like, all right, cool. So then like a few days later, I told a colleague of mine about it who's interested in screenwriting. And she was like, well, my job got me a happy hour ticket to this place. And I'm like, all right, let's just do it there. No more brunch. We'll just do happy hour. Yeah. And then like 40 people showed up to that event. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a thing. And everybody's like, when's the next one? And we was like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, hey, I guess we should make another, you know, and then we just did like a screenwriting workshop with some friends. And then we had like Pete Chapman, who's like a big time uh, director now, you know, we had him come in and talk to our community. It really was just like this organic thing. And initially we were just like filmmakers just trying to build and connect and like link up with people. We didn't go into this again with any intention, but when we saw that there was so much of a demand we were like, all right, let's, you know, establish something. And when we were initially working together, it was kind of like, let's just do what needs to be done. All right, we need to, you know, it, we didn't really have like a structure, you know? It was like, whoever gets to it first does it, and then the other person helps. But now we're an organization. So we have departments, we have specific roles, you know? Now. <laughs> yeah. And like through those years that we worked together, I started to understand and get a better grasp of my strengths in relation to working with Reggie and vice versa. He did as well. Reggie is very much an internal thinker very much like analytical, technically based person. So he's a lot of hard skills. I'm somebody who has a lot of soft skills. I'm more of like a speaker. You know, I'm really good with talking to people. My casting background really helped me with like having like a salesy, I don't want to say salesy, but just like a, I know how to appeal to people yeah. via communication and, you know, really making sure that folks feel comfortable and accommodated and things like that. I'm very much like you in that sense. <laughs> Yes, I have a lot of soft skills. And then also, you know, I was also really good with, and Reggie's done this as well, bringing in our networks to kind of help amplify our organization in different ways. But I feel like over time, we play to each other's strengths, you know? 
And then obviously with all business partner relationships, you kind of also help each other get off the ledge, right? Because then I'll be like, I'm like more of an optimist, like, no, we can do all of this stuff. And like, we can do this, we can do that. And he's like, no, we need to like go back to this, you know, to square one, <laughs> what is this? And then other times Reggie's like, okay, we need a process for this. I'm like, no, we don't. Let's just do ABCD, get it done, delegate, boom, finished. You know, so we kind of reel each other back in. And it's never really taken personal, which is nice because I've worked with other people who, you know, I don't think had the emotional maturity to deal with that kind of feedback and deal with the days where, you know, you might be getting on each other's nerves because, yeah, it is, you know, you feel strongly about something and the other person's like, no, you know, we should try this, we should try that. But I think that by the time we speak again, an hour later, we forgot about that conversation. (laughs) Okay. What's the next thing? You know, it's been really, really good. This is the longest like business partnership I've ever had. And it's, it's working out great. Aw, Reggie, we miss you. (laughs) Shout out to Reggie and the whole team. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Well, now that Black film space has blossomed, I mean, really blossomed, and not just under you two friends with the same purpose, but, you know, represented a marginalized group in the film space. What is your most memorable experiences growing the community? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. I would say that our screenwriting retreats are like some of my favorite memories because it's such an intimate space. Everyone shares, you know, you really get to know people. I love the setting, being able to get out of New York, the crazy of New York once a year, you know, and then just solely focus on myself, focus on my projects and focus on relaxing. I love it. And I've made friends each year, you know, I, I've, and then, or strengthen bonds with existing friends. Each year we have this retreat and it, it really, really helps us to root for one another in that setting. And then also, you know, I just love the idea of us sitting at a table and just talking about pop culture and film and, you know, just That's having that all space. day long. Yeah, I could do just that all that day space long. Space <laughs> to talk about Black film and Black art and pop culture, you know, over a f- delicious meal of like soul food. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's really, really, really a great, great time. And then the second event, I would say, is the mixer because it's like our trademark event. So many people come through. It's like a big day party, but you're also networking. And it's in this like really relaxed atmosphere, which, you know, sometimes, especially in like this whole Hollywood space, you don't get to experience, you know, people can sometimes be a bit stuffy or like kind of like apprehensive to talk to you. Yeah, and apprehensive (laughs) to talk to you. And like we created this atmosphere that's really welcoming. And, you know, we've had people who have soared since coming to our events. And I'm like, oh my God, look at them. You know, they just were there and they just grabbed a drink and ate a hamburger and, you know, you know, talked to people for a few hours and and was able to, and participated in this like emerging community. And I think it's because they felt like they could be themselves in this setting, which is really important, especially when it comes to networking for Black folks. You know, we have so many things that people judge about us before we even open our mouths. So to, you know, be in a space where everybody looks like you and everyone's just more chill and relaxed and more real on. Yeah, they're not on it. I think that's why our mixers do so well. But yeah. 
I think that's a better way to network overall. Like I agree. You know, I hear a lot about how Hollywood is just full of no's and the type of people that you meet are just either stuck up or set in their ways and, and, you know, so on and so forth. And it's nice to hear that you guys have created a space where it harps on real relationships, real business relationships, and real hard work, you know, simple as that, as well as Black culture in general, you know? Right, right. Absolutely. And then I have to harp on the whole aspect where you were talking about the intimacy part. And it really reminds me of the testimonials I saw. Like there was one person on there who felt like, you know, they were at their wits end with their filmmaking career. And because of you guys, they stayed on the path. You know, there was another person on there that said they finally found their community. You know, how does that make you feel when you hear those things when it comes to emerging black filmmakers? emotional I'm just like oh my god like we're changing people's lives you know that's a huge responsibility and to know that I'm a part of something that has changed people's lives I, I've never been a part of anything to that that has done I got no <laughs> impact, you know anybody so which is ironic because I'm so passionate about like social socio-political issues mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. The, you know see, again see that play out tangibly is like it's surreal. It really is. And it changed my life. You know, I could shoot a movie tomorrow and have like a free crew because of this organization. Wow. Wow. That, uh, that means I need to pop it in there. Someone want to make me a film. Yes, I'm not a director, do. but. I'm through. <laughs> but you never know. It's never too late. <laughs> People tell me that all the time. They're all like, you love film so much. Why don't you direct it? I said, because I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, that's you think I knew what I was doing. <laughs> you said my first movie, my first show. <laughs> I prepped and everything. I mean, I didn't really sleep the night before because you know I was trying to get everything together. But the first half of the day, I was so like nervous. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, during lunch, the line producer came to. She was like, "Okay, so I'm gonna need you to make some decisions." <laughs> I was like, "Oh." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she was like, "You got to be more decisive, or we're gonna be behind." Like. You gotta move. I was like, okay, I got it. You know? Yeah. And it was because I was so focused on the fact, like, oh, I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I brought all these people together, raise all this money. What if I fuck up? And, you know, and it's just like, whatever. Like, just make the movie. It ain't that deep. <laughs> like, you're already here, so you might as well make the movie. <laughs> oh, man. I gotta remember that. If I'm ever on set and I finally take that plunge, yeah. I'm gonna remember that. Make the movie. It ain't that deep. <laughs> It's not. And you are already here. You're already on set. So what you're going to do, leave, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now we're going to even fast even more forward. And we're getting to five years later with all the success the Black Film Space community has had. When did you guys finally decide to shift to a member-based structure? That's the new thing popping out. Membership. Yes, yes. Well, you know, the more we grow, the more our expenses grow. You know, and right Mm -hmm, now we mm -hmm. have over 11,000 followers. Instagram alone, you know, that doesn't even count our Facebook, Twitter, our mailing list. You know, there's some overlap, but like all of them have, you know, distinct followers. So, I mean, when we have events, they're just, the expenses are just more, you know, more members come in. I mean, something as simple as a Zoom call. You know, if you have over a certain amount of people, you got to pay for the account. 
right? You got a MailChimp. You got to pay for the account when you have more than X amount of emails. So all those little things over time started to add up. And we were like, you know, we can't, we want to keep our prices affordable, but we, you know, in order for this organization to sustain itself, especially in this new like COVID economy, we're going to, a membership plan is just going to make the most sense, you know, and then also for us to offer things that continue to elevate our organization's offerings. It's imperative that a membership plan be integrated into that. So that was part of it. And then also, you know, some of our partners and the people that want to collaborate with us are folks that we feel, you know, we can incorporate into our membership plan and create more of like an intimate space. So, you know, these brands can recognize specific filmmakers and not just people to kind of come in and out once or twice a year. So that's important for us too, right? To kind of have members that are committed to being a part of our community that we can continuously vouch for. There's also that aspect of the membership as well. But it really is to support our growth and our expansion primarily. And then, on, you know, we have everything online now and, and it's kind of like, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how we continue to develop our organization despite, you know, this whole COVID situation, because even when things open back up, people are really used to the Zoom life. So yes. Oh man. I'm so tired of Zoom. I cannot explain (laughs) how damn enough. I'm sorry, Zoom, if you're listening to this as we do it on here, but I do. I do. do Sometimes I want to get up and walk around, but I can't because I'm on Zoom. Yeah. I feel you. I miss like actually talking to someone, like seeing their face and, enjoying the conversation or having a group setting and doing those things. And I'm sure like you're saying, you know, it, it's going to be completely different when all these things are transitioning into a more virtual delivery. Yeah, for sure. It's just interesting to watch everything happen. I I was part of, what is it? This conference, uh, I'm part of, what is it? Create and Cultivate. That's one of those uh, big conferences. And they tend to have all these virtual conferences and retreats that they did this year. And it was just like back to back to back presentations (laughs) with. with, (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, oh God, I'm already overwhelmed. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm so overwhelmed. Like I know this is for my health and safety, but I'm so overwhelmed. So I, I wish you guys the best of luck, especially in the Thank virtual you. aspect. But yeah. I know for sure that the biggest thing too, part of a membership is offering exclusive content and, oh, and, absolutely. You know, and to up level the things that you guys offer and knowing how mm-hmm. the route you guys are going, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys are creating steam. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. You know, we have grant opportunities. We have a mentorship program. There's so many different things that we have. And then also the database, you know, we have so many people that reach out to us from the industry saying, hey, you know, can you send us 10, 20 people? And now what we can do is say, you know what, you need to sign up for our industry account so that whenever you need folks from our community, you could just sign into your account and find them. That is awesome. Did you know over 192,000 new podcasts were launched in 2019 and I was one of them? Have you ever wanted to share your opinion but not break the bank? I have just a thing for you, girl. It's called Buzzsprout. 
Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch and promote and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters like myself already using Buzzsprout to get their message out into the world. Like me, Buzzsprout can't wait to amplify your message. Let's create something great with Buzzsprout. Follow the link in the show notes, let Buzzsprout know that I sent you, and you can get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan today. And it looks very affordable to me. Like I was looking at the silver and the gold membership packages and for what you guys offer in terms of what you pay for annual, you know, membership base, that's nothing. Like I think it's completely affordable to what you guys are offering. Thank you. It really is, you know, and I want to tag back to that membership program too. Can you detail a little bit more what that all includes? So like I mentioned before, we have grant opportunities. So there's some general filmmaking production grants that we offer. And then we're also going to offer a post-production related grant as well. There's a mentorship program that we're developing. We're also going to have exclusive member events. You know, we have a membership directory. So you, once you sign up for membership, you can be part of a, a listing and also search other members according to their roles, location, anything that you're looking for, any sort of specific criteria that you need to search for you can reach out and message our membership database. I mean, folks from our membership database. So yeah, so that's kind of like some of the things we offer. We also offer discounts to festivals and filmmaking tools and incentives, you know, for brands that we're affiliated with. You also might have some free access as well. So yeah, those are like some of the things that we're offering through our membership plan. Ooh, that's exciting. Is it possible to know any like of the brands or partnerships that you guys are working with to make this happen? Absolutely. So currently we're working with IMDb and then we're also working with IFP. So those are two brands currently. We have some other things that I can, I am not at liberty to discuss at this time. (laughs) But yeah, hopefully by early 2021, we'll be able to announce it. Really exciting stuff. I think that's awesome. I think that's, ooh, it's getting excited. Yes. (laughs) I'm excited too. I'm so excited. Now, in terms of the last day to get a membership, what is that day? That way everyone knows. You know, you can continuously sign up for membership, but the last day to get a discounted rate Mm -hmm. on our yearly membership plan is December 31st. We are going to also premiere some other membership options in the new year. But if you want to get a discount on our plan, definitely sign up before the end of this month. All right, guys, you guys hear that. You know, if you want that discount, you better hurry up. That's right. Get on it. Y'all need to get on it, man. I was reading the BK's Readers interview that you had. And Reggie made a very good point about how... They could sit there and nominate all the black films and actors they can, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't solve the problem that the challenge is all about the opportunities and the resources. Now, besides Mm -hmm. all the resources and opportunities you guys offer, and this ties it back into a little bit of the social injustice that happened this year. Do you think after 2020's, you know, unhinged set of events, 
This will change. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I love that description. <laughs> will change anything coming up for 2021? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, I want to be optimistic. It's all good. I said I, I need know. to my own question too, so... <laughs> I think there are really some well-intentioned allies out there, but I also feel like a lot of brands are just trying to stay face. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. y'all are not paying for people to make movies. Y'all are not really trying to put people in the boardroom. Like, so what are we talking about? You know? Yeah. Yeah. The reality is that people need jobs and you're not trying to hire anybody. And then when you ask for people, you say, Oh, you know, we want to, we want my, more diversity in our staff. And then when, you know, you, you see the options, you say, Oh, well, they have to have this kind of experience, but the whole point of marginalization is limiting access. Right that they might not have, it's likely that most people from marginalized groups are not going to have the level of experience that you guys are expecting. So instead of creating a pipeline program to better equip them to, you know, convert to whatever your qualifications are, you discard them and then use that to justify discrimination. And that's really the issue that I think industries across the board have. Like people are not willing to do the work to help these underrepresented groups become more competitive candidates for industry jobs. And that's why organizations like ours are so important because otherwise we would just get completely shut out. Definitely. You know, have programming that helps them gain their skill set. And then you have 10,000 plus people who are engaging in this community. That's clear proof that this underrepresented group does want to become competitive, does want to become qualified. So just make it a little bit, you know, help them out. That's the main gripe I personally have. You need to pay up and you need to create pipeline programs. Otherwise, you know, it's just like, what's the point in addressing alleged discrimination? Right now, I'm, you know, it's kind of hard because you you have these moments of where uh, some film brands and big studios and stuff are making these top moves and they're having diverse cast and, other people are not saying this is enough, you know, is the crew on that, you know, same lines. And then, you know, you got the Oscars coming out with their diversity guidelines, you know, <laughs> which, woo, man, that is, that's an interesting thing to see. Is there anything else you would add on top of what you said that that could potentially create some change? For institutions like the Academy, I don't even know where to begin. I know it's a, it's a ongoing deal. <laughs> it's just like a bizarre, I don't, I don't know. This is what I'll say. You got to have more diverse representation on the voting staff, right? The people who vote in the academy, folks who are in the academy, they have to reflect the demographics of people that we want to win. Otherwise we're going to continue to get shut out. Also, you know, I mean, Hollywood wants to fund particular types of movies, right? That reflect the, that regurgitate a similar Black experience. So we have to be open to different types of storytelling. With the, you know, more sci-fi, right? More horror. More horror, yay! You know, I love historical dramas, but maybe we need to spend some of the narratives that are being showcased on historical dramas. That, I think, is really what a lot of the Black community gets frustrated with when it comes to Black talent in particular being nominated or considered for Academy Awards. They feel like a lot of times it's in these, like, roles that are tropes. And then those of the roles that don't check those boxes, they tend to just get, like, the honorary nomination and be dismissed, you know? So, but that's going to continue to happen so long as the Academy 
the folks that vote on the academy are not diverse. I mean, it's just facts. So <laughs> you see this a lot of other institutions too, like the Grammys, the same issue. Oh yeah. Lemonade, can we yeah. Let's see what they do with Black is King, if it Mm -hmm. even gets nominated. You know, if I have to be quite honest, I think they nominated Beyonce. Like, of course, she has quality and talent. There's no doubt about that. But after the whole Lemonade mistake, and even Adele has to agree with that, I think they're trying to make up for a lost cause this year. So, like you said, we'll watch for Black is King because that was monumental, but... No, Beehive are on here, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Well, like, to not nominate that would just be. Yeah. Egregious. That's like a slap in the face. It's like, ridiculous. come on. <laughs> you know, but then there's also the argument where people make like, oh, why are we even looking at these institutions, right? Yeah, like, we should be creating our own award show. I've I've heard that a lot, too. And, and you know, we have BET. And there's a couple other ones, but it's like, you know, we have BT. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like what people see as standards in the music game, you know, like BT award, Grammy award. Which one do I really want? You know, like, (sighs) I mean, this is what I'll say. The awards are nice, but I think we also should measure our expectations as black talent, right? Like, Mm-hmm. Just because we're not in those spaces doesn't mean our work doesn't have value. Doesn't mean yes. that it's not it's not at the same caliber of the films being nominated. That like that that's I think that's the point that we have to always consider and keep in mind. And then also again, the people who are voting on this are not from our community. So yep, yep, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. yep. It's not going <laughs> to interest them as much. It just isn't. Like it sucks that the world is like this, and I don't think that it should be that way, but. I'm just speaking within the, you know, the framework of the existing society we have. Like they are going to pay more attention to and value art that primarily features white people. So all I got to say is when it comes to Oscars, Regina King better be nominated for best director. She better be on that list because I love her. Yeah, I'm obsessed. (laughs) I hope I get to work with her one day. She's amazing. You and I both. <laughs> yes. So dope. If she is on the podcast before as she ever meets you, I'm going to put your name out there and hopefully she <laughs> finds you in the universe. Okay. <laughs> Please, Regina, let's write a movie. Let's do something. I don't know. <laughs> I want to work with her. I do. Well, I have to say, you know, Black film space and even your own personal film career has been a wonderful calling of what it means to be on top of your game of Black creativity, as well as, you know, moving the culture forward and moving Black community forward overall in this medium. So is there any other POC or Black organizations in film and entertainment that you guys would also recommend or that you guys have partnered up with the future that you would like to recognize here on the show? Oh, wow. I love that. Yes, we have worked with Brown Girls Talk Mafia and the founder, one of the founders, Iago Boyd, also attended one of our screenwriting retreats. They're doing nice. a lot of great stuff. We also partnered with the Black TV and Film Collective, founded by Haraya Muhammad. Um, well, I, she's one of the co-founders. We've also partnered with Hugh. Hugh, Hugh I always say Hugh. 
who you know, because it's spelled H-U-E. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, we partnered with them as well, founded by Bree Frank and a few other colleagues of hers. They focus a lot on the unscripted space. Yeah, so those are some of the organizations that we've partnered with that are doing a lot of great work. But yeah. She's so real is looking out for you guys, okay? So Londe put you out, out here, so get on the pod, all right? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So after all this time, you know, you've got so much gems to pass down, rather if it's running Black film space, doing your own films, doing other projects and working with big brands and partnerships and so on and so forth. What advice do you give to Black creatives who are looking to get into the industry and do the things that you do? I would say, well, first of all, determine how you want to exist in the industry, right? Because if you want to be a filmmaker that writes, directs, produces, then, you know, I would recommend a different route versus someone who wants to be hired to direct Hollywood blockbuster films. So, you know, the first route, you know, wanting to just be like a, a jack of all trades type of filmmaker, I would say make movies. But I would also say along the way, acquire skill sets, right? And go and attend events that are, come to Black Film Space, basically. And, you know, <laughs> attend our events that are rooted around making the film making process more efficient for you in different areas, whether it's directing, writing, directing actors, whatever, you know, whatever you're looking to do, gain information as much as possible, then start to think about the look and think about the kind of equipment that you need to make that happen. And that might mean working with your cinematographer friend who does photography for weddings on the weekend but you, you know, really dictate the vision to that cinematographer and you guys are able to come up with something that's super affordable, but still looks really, really professional. Knowing how to do things on a buck is crucial for someone who wants to do film on their own or be, you know, you taking the indie route and then working your way up is best. And then for the other type of filmmaker that wants to direct large-scale Hollywood blockbuster films, I would say you should probably look into film school. You should also attend Black Film Space events as well. But, <laughs> you know, you better start thinking about how you want to pay off them loans because film school ain't cheap at all. <laughs> film school is a great way to, you know, get funneled through the film school system into the Hollywood system. It's not a smooth transition, but it's certainly an easier one. And also it's more aligned with preparing filmmakers for that. And I think that the investment of film school, you know, generally pays off for people who want to do like large scale Hollywood blockbuster films and they, they want to be hired like in that capacity. So that's my personal advice based on, you know, what I've seen thus far. Jim's from Londa, y'all take that advice. advice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And before we shift to our Keep It Real segment, is there anything new that we should keep on our radar from you along with the second generation wedding that you have going on? Yes, I am also currently developing a documentary project that is a bit controversial, but I'm going to make it. (laughs) It's called the Hypergamy Project. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but hypergamy is the act of marrying someone of a higher socioeconomic status. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I like a little like to me. <laughs> you, you just enlightened me. I was like, damn, that's a big word. I need to go back to college. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like this big movement emerging on the internet of content creators, particularly like in the millennial Gen Z age range, 
that are making a lot, especially, you know, content geared towards black women and, you know, kind of challenging these notions of femininity that we've been taught and blah, blah, blah. So I want to make a film that kind of probes the question, like, and this is, I mean, I'll just be honest, like, it probably would interest more heterosexual daters. I don't know. I hope that it doesn't only interest people who are hetero, but because these dynamics do exist in the queer community too, but I'm I'm still trying to figure out how to navigate that space. So if there's anybody that wants to help me out with that, holler at me. Maybe that's a whole nother movie. I don't know. But I want to talk about, you know, gender roles in the Black community and how they've kind of impacted dating and relationships, particularly between Black women and Black men in 2020. Because I have a lot of amazing friends that are single and it doesn't make any sense. Oh my gosh. I feel the same way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, what is this? I feel the same way. I feel the same way. And I love a controversial doc. Oh, so <laughs> please let me know. <laughs> yes, I will. We're going to have a conversation on Clubhouse next week, Saturday. I should know the name of the group and I don't have it offhand. It's going to be called Hypergamy Project, Getting What Your Standards Desire. And the name of the group that's hosting us is called Powerful Black Woman on the, the app Clubhouse. So come through and I will be sharing the GoFundMe link so that people can donate towards the film because we need to raise money for production. But yeah, I'm hoping to have intellectuals, content creators, historians, everybody all up in there. I love it. Ooh, man, this is going to be a nice kumbaya session. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I love it. All right. Now we're going to ship it to our Keep It Real segment. Are you ready? Yes. All right. What is your favorite movie? Oh, my God. Somebody asked me that yesterday. I was like, oh, can really? I do three? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can I do three? I don't have one favorite movie. I'm sorry. I'm like that person. I'm annoyed. Hey, I'm that person too. So no worries. Okay. So Friday, Gremlins. <laughs> I, know I love weird. Gremlins. Finally. Because people are like, why do you like that? The movie sucks. I'm like, no, it's not. It's so good. Right? It's so funny. And then Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Those are my three favorites. Oh my gosh. You're like an 80s kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, my brother is like a Gen Xer, a millennial border. Mm-hmm. Fine, um, person so I had to watch a lot of stuff that he liked so <laughs> just by default of being the little sister you know I'm a millennial but sometimes I think I should have been born in like the 70s or the 80s because I too. love retro shit I just love retro stuff and now all I listen to like not like maybe 75% of the time is like 70s classic soul oh my oh, god yeah. thank you like i'm like a <laughs> soft rock person i love phil yes. collins and i was listening to some 80s patty labelle the other day like <laughs> oh man i love her i love patty labelle yep all her ballads mm, i love all that kind of music all right well now that we're on music what's your favorite artist damn <laughs> just like i'm throwing you a ringer now <laughs> oh my god i don't even know I probably would have to say this. Dem- all right. I have to do top three. I'm sorry. Okay. So- <laughs> no, it's all good again. It's all good. Stevie Wonder. Oh, wow. Okay. James Brown. Get a buff of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> James Brown, like circa late 60s, early 70s. So that song was definitely part of that, dis- you know, dis- <laughs> that part of that era. I'm still stuck on James Brown. Get a buff of that thing. And dance to Bill Bell. Okay, Shaka Khan. <gasps> Shaka Khan. Shaka. 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 <laughs> you know she hates when people do that. I know. 
I'm so over it. I was like, wow. I was like, damn, man. Like, that's like your signature thing. Like, come on. Yes. <laughs> come on let me tell you what you're going to do. Right? Like, come on, Shaka. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. And then we're going to end it on who is your favorite director right now? I really like Ava DuVernay. I do. Ava always comes through, man. She always she comes really through. really does. And I really admire the platform that she's built with putting other women on as directors through shows like Queen Sugar, you know, Cherish the Day, all her, you know, I, I love Ava DuVernay. I love what she's doing. I love what she's about. Yeah. I feel like sometimes like in a way that her work is amazing. Like it's just, man, it is top notch. I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to her in indirect ways. Like I keep meeting people that have either somehow worked with her or something like that. And I was like, is this my like route to her? Cause if it is, I'm liking it. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Yes. I love it. You know? Yeah. I think Ava DuVernay is dope. All right, Londe. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I loved your energy, Van. It was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, this is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this interview. Thanks for having me. Of course. you're like me, you've probably been spending a lot of time at home and with your family. Because of that, getting groceries you need is more important than ever. With Instacart, it's easy to shop from your favorite retailers online and get everything you need delivered at a time that works for you. Save yourself a trip to the grocery store. Instacart makes it easy to take care of grocery shopping from home without even leaving the couch. My link will be in the show notes if you want to hit up Instacart to make it convenient, easy to get your groceries and everything else. Be sure to get your membership today. Oh, that was delightful. From the Black Film Space, I'll have the link in the show notes. We're rooting for you, Londe, and everything else you got going on. All right, guys. Thank you guys all for listening and for this year's slot of shows. I really appreciate it. I know it's been a very tough, difficult year with the pandemic, with the social injustice, with all things all around, and with Trump in office. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But may your year have peace, joy, abundance, and tons and tons of She's So Real. (laughs) That's right. Keep on listening. There's more to come. I just want to let you guys know and give you a heads up that there's going to be a couple rewind shows after this because Julie needs a break for some creative maintenance here. (laughs) So I will definitely see you later in the new year, aka 2021. Fingers crossed things go all well. Another way to keep up with me is to sign up on my email list, which you guys can do at shesoreal.com. And you guys can see in touch with me that way because I am always on my email list. I literally send one each week, but I know I've been taking a break lately. (laughs) So definitely stay on top of that. And thank you to all the guests that were on the show this year. I really appreciate it. I can never imagine not having you guys on the show. Like it really bumped it up. And I mean, all guests on the show. So I'm really grateful for the opportunities that I've had and everything else. I'm literally like spilling out (laughs) 
non-scripted. <laughs> so you guys know. So let me get out of here. Let me get out of here. Peace out. Peace out. Peace out. I hope you enjoyed this episode of She's So Real. If you loved it as much as I did, head on over, rate, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Thursday. I would love to hear more from you on topics you want to hear. Head to the show notes and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next. I can't wait to hang out with you all again soon. Remember, keep it real. Keep it real.